Sometimes he doesn't move when we want him to, but he will move. And I want you to believe. I was coming to church this morning and uh, I had an encounter, I believe, with the Lord. And uh, it was actually, uh, I was reflecting upon the fact that, you know, when you surrender your life to the Lord, you're no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. The precious blood of the Lamb. And I was reflecting on that and I spoke it out. That I've been bought. I'm no longer on my own. That I am his and he is mine. And when that happened, it was like the presence of the Lord just came into the car and rested upon me. And uh, I was, uh, of course, wept in his presence. But the Lord buys us. He's bought us. We're no longer on. So what does that mean? We get all the benefits. Amen. And we get the benefits. And obviously, it's his responsibility to take care of us. It's his responsibility. We have given our lives to him. He's our shepherd. We're the sheep. And he takes care of his sheep very, very adequately and beyond. And so he blesses us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Also, as we talk about this series for the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about our identity in Christ. Because our identity in Christ is most important in a Christian's life. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you'll not obviously work that out or walk that out every day. You basically will believe kind of like what the old man is trying to tell you, that you're the same, that there really hadn't been any change because we know obviously we're tempted. We obviously know temptation doesn't go away. In fact, when you become a Christian, it appears to be that we have a, a, a target on our backs. And things start happening, don't we? I know we can all relate to that. But we know that there is a calling on our lives, as I mentioned. And the important thing is, is knowing that God is obviously going to see us through. But in this journey called life, we've got to know who we are. Because again, what you believe will actually act out in how you behave. Can you believe that? In this computer up here, some would say, Jim, I know you very well, and yours is not a computer, okay? Because if not, you're way back here with an outdated uh, computer, and that could be true. But this is obviously up here, our minds, what we think on, what we dwell upon, what we reflect upon throughout the day. And obviously, as we come in here on Sunday morning and our other activities, is what we think about actually is what you'll become. So I want to talk about is John chapter one, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 13. And the, the title is, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? If you'd like to stand, we'll read it together. John chapter one, verses 12, 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Amen. Thank you. How do you see yourself? You see yourself as a sinner, or do you see yourself as a saint? If you see yourself as a sinner, again, what you think, again, will many times work out through how you behave. 
But according to the Bible, and I want to stress this, if you're saved and you're sitting here today, you are a saint. Now, some of you, including my eyes, go, well, I don't feel like a saint sometimes. When I say the wrong thing, or maybe I get in trouble, maybe at home, or maybe out in the community. But the truth of the matter, it does not change in that. God will correct our behavior, but we've got to believe, obviously, who we are in Christ and who he is in us. It's very, very important here. So the question is, are you a sinner because you sin? Are you a thief because you steal something? Are you a failure because you failed at something? Many of us would say, well, these same statements seem to be our identity here. And so they identify us as action or series of actions. And certainly we know. And I believe if the devil can keep you thinking the wrong way, then you won't walk in that in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's very important and understand that he lies and he tells us because he's the father of all lies. And so when you receive Jesus, you have a new identity. You have a new, you've been bought with a price. You're no longer your own. And he said what he started in your life and my life, that he will complete it. And that's the confidence that we have, according to Philippians chapter one here. So if you, certainly if you manage people, are you a manager? If you play the piano, are you a pianist? Or if you play the drums, are you a drummer? I certainly can suggest here that I believe that, again, the devil wants us to think that way because it's his strategy. It's his strategy to believe that our identity lies in what we do and our actions. Many people today feel like a failure because they failed along the way. Well, we've all failed. I mean, we, do, we wouldn't need Jesus if we hadn't failed. We've all failed. But again, the devil will continue to bring up things as you go through life and maybe at times you stumble because obviously we know we sin first john chapter one talks about that but we look at our past too and the devil always will bring up your past and he'll try to put that in front of you and what he'll say is you know that's who you really are when god's saying he's given us a new identity in jesus christ but the devil wants us to believe that our identity comes from what we do here. And some people are today imprisoned by shame and certainly worthlessness and weakness. So how can we make us obvious? He can make us feel powerless to change our lives here. And obviously he can chain us to our performance based living and hopelessness to ever achieving the elusive golden ring of the merry-go-round of life. He keeps us just there, keeping us from becoming who God wants us to be. But God works differently here. God calls us into being that which is not. Okay, we know that. He did that with Abraham. Abraham was up in years, we know. We just saw it there this morning in Sunday school. Abraham was up in years, Sarah was up in years, her womb had uh, what could be said dried up and so forth. And yet God spoke to him and said, you're going to have a baby. Well, Sarah laughed, you know. And even in the Bible says it actually indicates that she actually thought that. And, and then God confronted her and said, why did you laugh? And then she lied. She said, I didn't laugh. Well, you know God can read our thoughts, right? Everybody know that? 
And so we know that obviously Sarah was lying and doing it because she didn't believe it. And many times, again, we're entrapped in those old selves and believe we, we just can't make it because obviously I, st- I messed up yesterday. Or I messed up before I came to church. Sometimes we're laying in bed and we go, oh man, I don't want to come to church because I got to get out and it's beautiful weather and man is sleeping so good. When 5.30 went off this morning, I went, oh my goodness, it felt like I just laid down, right? Some of us feel that way. Could I just turn over? But I knew once that alarm goes off, I had to get up. Now, actually, two cups of coffee will kick in and make things change. But until then, I'm kind of droggy walking along. I'm hoping no burglar comes in or anything like that because I wouldn't be fit to be able to be tied up with him because I'm in a daze at that point. But if he waits till I get a couple cups of coffee, I mean, I'm good to go, right? But we think that, don't we? We think, oh, man, this would be so good just to lay here and so forth. And God is saying, no, he said, I want you to grow. I want you to grow. I want you to get around a bunch of people. I want your faith stirred. I want you to become who I want you to be in the fullness there. Yes, positionally, we dent our changed identity and who we are. And so our changed identity should make us think differently. And when we begin to think differently, it begins to change our actions. Really reflect upon that even this coming week here. So there's a principle at work here. That is very important here. God knows that what we believe about ourselves will ultimately influence our behavior. He knows that how we see ourselves, uh, obviously, and, and the power that we have, he knows how we are. But see, the other side of that is, and we have to ask these questions, are you powerful in the Lord? Are you impotent in the Lord? Can you do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Or you sort of like sit back and say, hey, let the pastor do it, right? Or let somebody else do it. Are you knowing who you are in that, that God can use you in a powerful way to lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Or do you believe, well, the pastor's prayers seem a little bit more powerful and so forth. So you have to see yourself and the light of how God sees you. And I do too. Because it's a constant lifelong thing. And understanding our identity in Christ. See we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Everybody know that? Everybody believes that right? Shake your head. Yeah. It, the Holy Spirit's in us. Jesus said it's expedient that I go to the Father. So I can, he can send the Holy Spirit who will be in you and with you. Okay. So we have the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The same very spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the Holy Spirit of God was the one that raised Christ from the dead on the third day. Okay, we have the same spirit. So we know that obviously we have the power of God residing within us. That should make a difference in how we live. We can resist sin. I pray, Lord, help me to resist sin. Help me to to flee from sin. Help me, obviously, to bless people today. Help me speak the words that you'd have me speak. You want to pray, definitely. But we have the power to be able to do that. If you're not saved, you don't have that power. You're going to lean on that old nature and you're going to continue down the same path that you're going in because that's how you think. Look at how the world thinks today. Oh my goodness. And I'll say this. When COVID hit, the whole country was in like a state of fear. There was a blanket. And actually it was a spirit, I believe. And I believe the, the uh, and I'm not minimizing any of this. Don't get me wrong at all. But the Lord says, as a Christian, we are not to be afraid, okay? 
And you know what it is? People thought, because what you heard spewing from media, social media, and, and all types of media and communication was the fact that you were going to die. They said that basically just millions and millions of people were going to die and all these things were going on. And they began to spew this. And you listened to that. And what did you do? You took it into in the, the computer. And so people began to work and operate out of that. When we know God does not give us that fear. That comes from the devil. And what has happened is, is that we know that obviously we did not think and we didn't stop and say who you are in Christ and who he is in you. Do you know, and I want to tell you this, nothing can happen to you or me apart from it going and sifting through God's hands. You believe that? Everything that happens in my life. There are challenges I have. Y'all have health challenges. All of that. So what is this all about? I know we live in the, a sin-filled world. I know death came into being when Adam and Eve sinned. I know that. And we're to pray for healing. And we see God healing. He gives us opportunities, certainly. But do you think somehow, because this happened or that happened, that sort of God is up in heaven fumbling his hands, wondering, what am I going to do with this person? He knows. And he's in control. We don't believe that God is in control and that he can see us through. It may take prayer. It may take physicians. It may take hospitals. It may take all these things. Don't get me wrong. He uses all of those things. But we're not to be afraid. Because the one thing that Jesus came for was take to, to take the sting out of death. Because what happens, and I don't nonchalantly say this, but certainly... When it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And God will give you grace to be able to take that journey across to the other side, as old timers will say. Okay? He will do that, but we're not to be afraid. You see, fear will stifle you. It will stop you in your tracks. You'll not operate in what God desires for you to, and you can't operate in faith if you're afraid. You know, I'm afraid about, hey, when my paycheck's going to get here? When is my Social Security going to kick in? What about this? They're talking about now in the government about, oh, are they going to touch Social Security? Or are they going to take touch Medicaid care or whatever? They're going to take touch all this stuff. And some people are like, alarms going on. Wow. Let me tell you today, God is in control of this nation today. And God has not obviously taken his hand off of this nation. He's still here. Yes, we are in rebellion in many ways. But God has not left this nation called the United States of America. He's looking for you and I to pray and ask God to change the hearts of this nation, to change the hearts of the leaders of this nation. Because we can pray and do that. Jesus got away on the mountainside and he prayed early in the morning and then he took out his instructions from the Lord and he headed out. Here he goes. And he prayed. You and I pray to the same father as Jesus prayed to. The same father that hears us and knows us. And is intimate with us. Romans chapter 8. Refers to our father. When we refer to God. As Abba father. It's A-B-B-A. Anybody know what that means? What is that actually uh, indicating there? Abba father. Our hearts cry out. Abba father. It's daddy God. And you go. Is that irreverent? Is that certainly uh, not biblical? No it's biblical. We can cry. We have a father who's tender with us. My dad looked out for me. I was obviously, dad went in and 
stood in the gap for me. On, uh, I, I know many occasions, but one occasion that was not really good because there were uh, some situations that that uh, the uh, the principal and so forth of the school knew they were doing wrong by me. And I don't say that lightly because principals have a, a real strenuous job and so forth. But they did. They did me wrong because I played basketball. They didn't want me to play basketball because I didn't want to run track. I just wanted to play, play basketball. And so the coach of the, of the uh, track had connections with the basketball coach and said, you don't let Jim on the team, although he could play and he was good. And obviously I could dunk the ball and probably was one of the only white boys that could do that at that age, okay? Not many white boys can do that back then. But I could play ball and so forth. And they basically didn't want me to do this and didn't want me to do that because of political stuff. And so dad went in and he talked to the principals and he said, you guys, you know this is wrong. You know you're not treating him you know, equally and so forth. And they all agreed. And so what did they do? They let me be on the team. They changed everything and so forth. I had a dad who looked out for me. He was an earthly dad. My dad was not perfect. But my heavenly father is perfect in all of his ways. And we're singing about him here. In my father's house are many rooms, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. And so we have a father who takes care of his children. But we've got to know that we're in Christ and who we are in him also. Before you accepted Christ, before you came to Christ, and before you gave your life to Christ, you are a child of wrath. That's pretty stern, isn't it? But that's what the Bible says. We were headed to the damnation. But we came and he adopted us into his family. And we are in the family of God. Thank God. All of you here saved. You're my family. You're my brothers and sisters. And we should say brother and sister more than what we do. Okay. You have to say brother and sister. Because we are in the family of God. Man, you know what? I don't look like y'all, you guys. And you and vice versa and so forth. Or whatever else. I don't talk like y'all. You say, Jim, you can't you don't even can't even talk the English language yet. Yeah, I know that. Okay? But I'm still your family, right? I am still your family. Because I know who I am in Christ. And it sets you free. If we worry about what everybody thinks and everybody says and all these things, let me tell you, your stomach will be a knot. But what we want to do sometimes is please everybody. You can't please everybody. Have y'all found that out yet? Okay. I'm not saying to be rude. And I'm not saying to obviously just push people away. I'm just saying, you got to be yourself. And know that people, we, and, and as, as a church, the church should accept people if no one else will accept them. Because we've been accepted in the beloved. Amen. And we should be. But the issue is we don't know because we don't know our identity in Christ here. Becoming a child of God is a sovereign act of God. I didn't all of a sudden say, well, I'm going to um, I'm going to become a child of God. No, you're here because God drew you. You're not here by accident. God's doing something in your life. Trust me, you would not be here. You wouldn't be here listening or you would boo me off this stage. <laughs> but God's doing something. And that's who he is. He's doing something. He's healing people. He, he's building people up in the faith. He's listening to us. And by the way, uh, Kathy can tell you, we've got 
we do have some uh, things for to remind you to pray. Kathy is having it now. Uh, we've got some coasters. We found some, and they're coasters, and they're having. He's, she's having um, her daughter put some gravings on there. We want everybody to have one and put it by your coffee pot. It's got a lighthouse on it. And the lighthouse is to remind you to pray for your church. And when you pray for the church, you pray for the people that have been mentioned. Pray for your family. Obviously, pray for whoever God calls you to do. But pray for it. And it's a reminder, okay? Last week, if you remember, Casey took and gave us a piece of the puzzle. Everybody know what? Everybody get a piece last week? Right, I did. You know where that piece of puzzle is in my house? By my coffee pot. And so what does that do? I looked at that puzzle and I said, got to pray for Casey and Daniel. Got to pray for Save Savage. Got to pray for the church. I got to pray for, for our community. I got to pray for our nation. Got to pray for our, our leaders. I've got to pray. That right there. And I'm pouring a cup of coffee. Okay, get my coffee. Most people drink coffee. If you don't drink your green tea, it's okay with me. It's not anti-biblical, right? That will remind us that coaster, set it by and pray. You're talking about a powerhouse when God's people pray. I talked about it in Sunday school a little bit. No, God is listening to you. God drew you. And there's a special calling on your life because you don't come to God just all of a sudden. I'm overwhelmed. Go accept Christ. No, you're here because God has a plan for your life and he makes no mistakes. He didn't save you, obviously, to sort of like, well, I've got a nice chair that I sit in. In fact, we had to change the cushions out here not too long ago because the chair started. Ch I, I needed a little bit more height on it and, and the cushions going down and so forth. I had to change. But we have a chair. We don't want to sit there all the time. We want to serve the Lord with gladness and we want to come into his courts and, and his temple with thanksgiving and praise. Amen. In First John, listen to this, chapter 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And lavished actually means to give freely, to bestow in abundance. You know, doesn't lavish hold the connotation that man, he poured his love on me. We, if we get a glimpse of, of the love of the Father for you and me, and we obviously at various times in our life, it seems like that God reveals that. It's like it sets you free. Because, see, love will set you free. Why should the church love people? It's because it sets people free. Because they know they're accepted. And they know that, obviously, wherever they are in their walk with Jesus, that they want more of who God is. Because the day they go out into a world that chews them up and spits them out. But in the church, we can build one another up. We can edify one another. We can stand with one another no matter what. No matter what's going on in their lives. That's why the church should be a place that, Lord, you can come and share your heart and know it's held in confidentiality and know that people will pray. That's what the church is for. It's for us coming together and being as one, the church today. See, Jesus is coming back for his church. Everybody know that? The church is the body of Christ, not just one assembly. You're a Christian, he's coming back for you because you're, you're in the church. You are obviously uh, very special in God's eyes. He's coming back for his church. The church, obviously, we know that obviously whether you're pre-trib or post-trib or mid-trib, whatever, that the church will be raptured up. The dead in Christ shall rise first and then those who remain 
we'll be caught up in the air with Jesus when the trumpet sounds. I believe the trumpet could sound any time. I don't know when. Well, he certainly, I'm, I, I don't ever, I'm not a date setter, certainly. But it could happen any time. Can you imagine the mass chaos when people break out of the graves? The graves are burst wide open. I mean, there are hundreds over here, thousands over here at Forest Park East and all of your, your grave, gravesides here, all these things. Open up, and here they're gone. Can you imagine people thinking, what happened to all these people? What happened to those people that were sitting in church and they all of a sudden were raptured out? Let me tell you, God loves you, and he loves me, and he's got a place that's beyond what we can ever imagine because he lavished his love on us. We should love in the same way. We should forgive. Why? Because we have been forgiven. We should extend grace to other people. Why? Because he extended grace to us. We always say, man, that guy person hurt me bad. I mean, they, they wounded my heart and all. And some people carry that all their lives when God is saying, no, I forgave you. Forgive them and move on. Let God heal your heart. Let the balm of Gilead come and soothe you and bring that healing touch in your life and my life. You know, sometimes you feel worthless, don't you, maybe? Sometimes you feel like, golly day, I can't get the job done. And it seems like, uh, you know, I can't answer the boss correctly. I can't do this right or whatever. Well, again, I wasn't the most talented athlete around, trust me. But I gave it a good shot. Wasn't always first string, but I was. I played and so forth. But I know there was a clique that was there. And they didn't accept me. Everybody knows about cliques, don't you? They accept. They wouldn't accept me because I wanted to be in the clique. Okay. And they didn't want me because obviously I was a skinny kid. And, and I'd, I wasn't as handsome as the rest of those dudes. Okay. And so forth. But yet. And so I sort of back then I think about it. I kind of put my worth in the fact of their acceptance. And that I wasn't playing first string. And you can do that today. Even today in your life. You can say hey. You know I, I, I don't know the Bible like I should. Or whatever. And you're growing in your faith and so forth. But you go man that person over there. They know a lot more than I do. And you can begin to compare yourself. Before long you've already chopped yourself up. God doesn't do that. He loves us. With an everlasting love. Because he's lavished his love on us. I always say and compare myself. I look at other pastors. Sometimes I compare myself. I stop that because you look at other pastors. And man, they can just preach circles around me. Okay. But if I looked at that and said they look like they're public speakers. And they were born a public speaker. Well, I know I wasn't born a public speaker. Okay. But I can compare myself and look at somebody else and I can feel like, well, I can't do it. So I might as well throw the towel in. God doesn't look like that. Look at that the same way we feel about ourselves. My identity is in Jesus Christ. And it's not about what I do or I don't do. It's about who I am in Christ and who you are in Christ. That's the blessing of knowing that. And you can overcome anything when you begin to have that revelation in your heart. God begins to reveal that in your heart of who you are, you see. God pulled us out of the muck and the mire of the sin and depravity here. And he doesn't change. God is saying that he wants you to know how he sees us. And so the question is, you got to look at yourself. Do you measure yourself 
about towards somebody else? Do you go, hey, I, 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 I should be further along here or there, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. And you begin to judge yourself and all. And before long, you've already hacked yourself up. And that God saying, I don't want you to do that. I love you. I'm going to see you through. I'm going to give you a hunger in your heart for the things that I want to put there in your life for me and for family and for friends and, and to, to use you in the marketplace. God is God's work. You see, it was God's work from the very beginning. God chose us. We didn't choose him. He started it. Remember? And so we sometimes think, well, I got to get in here and I got to do this. I got to help God out to be able to get, keep his favor. No, you have favor with God because you're a child of God. We just sang about it. How wonderful that theme was that Kathy brought up. And I didn't even tell her what I was going to preach on. <laughs> and what does God do when he does that? He's supernatural. He brought it up. Everything was about being a child of God. I'm a child of God. I am who you say I am. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. It will change your behavior. You know, sometimes we get in a routine. And, you know, one thing about it is, you know, in the, the sweepstakes, when the people go, you see on TV and they come up to the door and they've got this big check kind of like thing. And, and they got knock on the door and the person opens the door and they it's a million dollars. They, they won the sweepstakes and so forth and all that. They go, oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And that's what we sometimes act like. I can't believe it. Why? It's because we get in a routine. We start thinking, the pattern, pattern of thinking, and we're in a routine. And it takes something major to shake us out of that routine to say, no, you're special in the kingdom of God. You're a child of God. Your identity is in, in, in Jesus Christ. And you put your faith in him. He's exchanged your sins for his righteousness. Now, I want to close because I've got a handout for all of you. I've got homework for next week. Okay. All of you got homework. Won't take too long. Won't, shouldn't take but several hours to be able to finish this homework. So anyway, don't be frightened. Remember, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. <laughs> right? All right. Okay. I want you to think back if there's some lies that you have uh, bought into in your past. Maybe think back in your childhood. If you have believed something about yourself that you keep hanging on to. That you have some shame or guilt you're sitting here. And you feel like I just can't shake this stuff. And it brings me down. I get depressed. I can't have the, the joy like what I believe God is saying that he wants me to have. Okay. Think back in your past. Of what are you going to do about it? I want to share with you what to do about it. Cover Karen and Will, Lord, in, in the blood. Amen. Amen. In the blood. Thank you, Spirit. Holy Spirit. We are products of many times our childhood. And we know we, some were raised in child in, uh, in their youth uh, in a more peaceful place than some. And yet, even in those places, is that we know that it could have been better. And sometimes, just subconsciously, parents will say things to their children 
And the child soaks it up and hears it. And the parent has regret regrets sometimes that they said it or they may not. But it's spoken. Once you speak it, it's out. You can't bring it back. Think about anything in your life that you feel like you were rejected. And you believe that obviously you were not accepted, whatever it may be. Lord, you just thought, do what you want. And then I want you to just go to the Lord and just say, Lord, I believe that lie. I believe it. No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Remember that. This is not to heap more on you. It's just wanting you to be free. And just say, Lord, I confess it to you. I believe that. I should have believed the truth about that I'm a child of God. And this may have been before you got saved, too. Could have been. Remember, we bring that into the relationship. And Jesus does a beautiful work in our lives. And we have a new identity. But it, those, some of those things hang on. And we need that cleansing on a regular basis. That's called sanctification. It's the process after being saved that God's doing in my life and your life. And just confess it. Lord, I believe the lie. But what I'm doing, Lord, right now, exchange it. And I believe the truth about what you said about me. That way back then, <clears throat> the environment I was in didn't treat me well at all. And I got bumps and bruises as a result of it. I hurt some people. I obviously uh, did things I, I regret now, whatever it may be, that God brings to your mind between you and him. And I regret that. And I confess it to you. I repent. And I get back up right now. And then what you do is renounce it. I renounce that. I believe the lie. Or lies. Because all of us have a past, right? I have a past. Y'all do. Like those guys I was talking about. And that's I've thought I've given that to the Lord. But I wanted to use the example. And I give it to you and I renounce that I believe the lies to the truth about what you've said about me. Because I want to be free. I don't want any shame, any guilt. And certainly, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But if, you, if you're feeling condemned, it's not the Lord. Because you're Christian. And I renounce it in Jesus' name. And I receive what you say about me. I am who you say I am. Right? A child of God. And I believe that you'll see freedom come. I ask you to break the stronghold. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10 talks about strongholds being built up in our minds. And we start, because we believe it. And we never have really broken that. And so I would want to pray for you now. <clears throat> and then we'll have a handout. And I'm teasing about the homework. I want to pray for you. If God has brought something to your mind. And you said, Lord, forgive me. I, I confess it. Renounce it. Lord, I just come to you now. And Lord, we confess that we've sometimes, many times, believed the lies that the enemy has placed there in different ways. And we know now that it wasn't what you said about us. And we want, obviously, those things broken off. And I take authority over anything that has, has worked in that manner in any person's life in here. And I break it off of you in Jesus' name. I take authority over it. 
And ask you, Father, to release that love on every person in this place. That you said you lavished your love upon us. And we know that's an abundance. There's no limit to your love. I pray every person here would have a revelation of that Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Would know the love. And I pray right now people would, would, be get, would, would get set free. Because of the blood of the Lamb. Be set free. Totally free. From any types of chains. That may have bound them. And kept them from being all that you have for them. Because Lord you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. And dear God today we thank you. That that's what you're doing. I break it off every person here today. And instead Lord replace it with your love. Thank you Father. For your love, your presence, and what you've done for all of us here who are in Christ and who Christ is in us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some years ago, there was a new newspaper article that came out, and this is a true story. But evidently, some people had stored up, uh, had, had placed in saving accounts and different bank accounts uh, money and uh, the bank found out it was in surplus and so the bank said we've got to find out where this uh, where all this money goes and so they began to research some people that had had accounts and so forth and they began to go back and some people it was quite a tidy sum that they finally found that where they lived and so forth some they didn't and they had money that did not get distributed to the proper owners. Do you know that's the way we are as Christians many times? Our bank account is full, right? The Bible says that in Ephesians chapter 1 that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. He said we're already seated in the heavenly realms with him, with Christ Jesus, with him now. Not that we wait. Until we get there. The fullness will be when we go to heaven. But he says you're already. You already have my spiritual blessings. But many times. We don't take. And get it from our account. It's because we don't believe it. And we don't know about it. I'm here to tell you today. That you're blessed. Because of your identity in Christ. Not because of who you are. But because of what Jesus has done. That's why he died. You see we have so much to be grateful for. That's why when we start. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. When we begin to thank him. It ushers in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit just moves. Because he's honored. Why? It's because it's God's word. And we, we're moving by faith. We're believing him. But you've got to believe it. Just like the sweepstakes. When they came, I can't believe this. I can't believe it. And we're given that big, big check. And Jesus is handing it to us right now. And the question is, do we believe it? Do we know who we are? Do we know the vastness of the inheritance that we have? Ephesians chapter 1 says this. Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus. And he says, I pray that the Spirit of God would impart the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we what may know Him better, and the eyes of our heart would be enlightened to know the hope 
to which he's calling he's called us and his glorious inheritance in the saints for those what who believe come on for those who believe the vast inheritance in the saints that he's saying that today that's the word of god ephesians chapter 1 the vast inheritance you got an inheritance and God is saying, you just got to say, Lord, I need you. You know, you think somehow that it's wrong to ask God to bless you. I want here to tell you today, it's not. You think that's selfish? No, it's not. You know why God blesses us? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody? Speak or speak up. Why does God bless us with the riches of his glorious grace and all of the abundance of who he is? Why does he bless us? Why? We're in Christ Jesus. We're in Christ Jesus, right? He blesses us so we can bless somebody else. Bless others, right? They give it away. I give it away. And that's why he does it, because we're in Christ Jesus. That's amen, Karen. So, everybody got this? <laughs> this makes sense. <laughs> we got it? I told you I was not the best communicator, but I'll tell you who is. The Holy Spirit of God. Amen. He does it real well. Amen. Let's pray. I've got a handout. And uh, let me get you, Michael. Would you help me hand out one to everyone? This is a packet of stuff. Karen, would you also read while you're here? Thank you. We've got here uh, two two articles, some prayers on there. When you can't f figure out what you, what you want to pray, you can, you can pray these prayers. Read them. Say, Lord, this is a prayer. And then read the prayer. Sometimes my prayer life, I'll go, okay, I, I pray for the church, I pray for the sick, I pray for friends, pray for whatever God brings to mind. And then I go, what do I pray for? So these things you can pray for. Yeah, you got enough? He's got enough? Yeah, he's going to need some more. He's going to need some more. I thought these went along with what we were talking about. Obviously, the music that Kathy and our uh, worship team sang today was right on. Right on. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, thank you, Michael. Okay, the first one is a prayer. Yep, you sure can. You sure can. The first one's a prayer to help you know God's delight in you. And some people go, gosh, that word delight, that's pretty powerful. He delights in you and I. And Zechariah, it actually says he sings over us. He's singing over you and me. That's how much he loves us. And so these prayers here are kind of open your eyes to how much how he feels about you. And then also it goes into how do you know that God delights in you? And what does it mean for God to delight in you? A little bit of explanation there. And a prayer to help you to know God's light, delight in you. Okay. And then the other part of it. If everybody got one. If you didn't. I want to make sure you get it. Is grace frees us from trying to please everybody. <laughs> you want to be free. 
Ask God to set you free from just trying to please everybody, okay? We live our lives trying to please everybody. Jesus said, I only live to please the Father. <laughs> and we're followers of Jesus, right? Okay? That was pretty interesting by a pastor, and I thought it was uh, easy to understand and so forth and, and relevant to what we're talking about. The gospel allows you to stop striving and fighting for the respect and acceptance of other people. Now, I'm not saying be rude and don't be mean to people. Well, that's, not a, that's not our lives. We're not saying that. I'm just saying don't get hogged. Sometimes we get bogged down with the fact that, you know, oh, this one doesn't like me and that one doesn't like me and, you know, and all that. Stop worrying about it. Jesus loves us and he's the only one who makes any difference anyway, right? <laughs> Amen. All right. Do what I say? Because the Bible tells me so. Amen. All right, everybody got it. It wasn't homework after all. I know y'all got scared, even after I talked about fear. I love you guys. Thank you for being here and paying attention today. I pray God do a mighty work in your life. And also, as we get these and praying for our church, praying for those that are sick, we mentioned praying for, for people God points out in the sanctuary. Um, certainly pray for Cindy and I. Pray for Daryl. Daryl's the crazy blood sugar all over the place going on, going wild. Pray stabilize it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Anybody else? Good deal. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your goodness, and your presence in this place today. How great thou art. And Lord, today we want to know who we are in Christ. We just want to know you. Let the eyes of our heart be enlightened to know the hope to which you've called us. His glorious inheritance in the saints. And his incredibly great power for us who believe. We believe, Lord. Help our unbelief. And, and push us into this next week. Thank you for those you brought here. I speak and pray a blessing over every person in the sanctuary today. And those who are not with us. I speak blessings upon these rows. Upon those who are here in the name of Jesus. Build us up. Use us for your glory. And we'll praise your name forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. All of God's people said, amen. amen.